Hello and welcome to Powerhouse Politics. I'm ABC News Chief White House Correspondent Jonathan Carl. And I'm ABC News Political Director Rick Klein. You were a little late there, Rick. I don't know. Is it, is it getting to you? I mean, it's, it, it's, it's Saturday, November 5th. It is one day until the New York City Marathon. It is three days until Election Day. I think three days anyway. I'm a little bit off because I don't have access to a television. I haven't seen the CNN uh, countdown clock for a while. And I, I, I don't know. Do they, do they have an app? Can we? How, how do we find out exactly how long it is until Election Day? I can confirm that we're three days out until Tuesday, and we're getting closer every day. And it would be kind of weird if we didn't, <laughs> uh, even though we have that extra hour we have to wait with daylight savings time ending and all that. We're going to have to we'll have to stretch this one out as much as possible. But but John, what's it, your it, sense of this race right now? Where where are we versus where we were just yesterday? Look, this race, if you really want to know where things stand, you go to the forecasters, Rick. I've been trying to teach you this. You've got pollsters, but polls are all over the place. You have really smart data people. These are the people that know how to look at the numbers and interpret what they mean. They can they can do long division. They can do fractions. They can do all kinds of stuff. These people are amazing. Okay, so you've got a series of people. Uh, The most famous of these, of course, is Nate Silver, who famously nailed all 50 states last time around. I think the time before that he nailed 49. The New York Times has what they call the upshot. They've got odds on this. Of course, Huffington Post is doing this. And then our old friends, our Stuart Rothenbergs and our Charlie Cooks, haven't gotten around to giving us numbers. But here they are. You ready? Here, Go for it. You want to know exactly where this race is? Okay, I'm exactly. Gonna yes. Exactly where this race is. Okay, our friend uh, Nate Silver has a 65 percent chance of a Hillary Clinton victory. You know what that means, Rick? Because you're good at math. No, no, I don't. That means what, That me. means a 35 percent chance of a Donald Trump victory. Oh, okay. Got so. It. Okay. Now, uh, you would think that – so we have our data folks over at the New York Times. Again, really smart people doing the kind of stuff that Nate pioneered. They, though, have an 84 percent chance of a Hillary Clinton victory. And, Rick? Yeah. Okay. So that means 16 percent chance for Trump. Is that right? Thank you. Now, our friends over at the Huffington Post, 98 percent chance of a Clinton victory. So that's that doesn't sound like it's very good for Donald Trump at all. So the good news is that everyone agrees, right? We know we know where this is going to land. What, what are we going to do about this? This is all over the place. I, I mean, we have we have all the smart data guys are looking at the same set of polls, the same information, and they're coming up with yes, Hillary Clinton is the favorite, but is she a favorite who could easily lose? I mean, you know, those Nate Silver numbers. You know, I mean, I wouldn't be too confident of that. Uh, if I were in at campaign headquarters in Brooklyn uh, with the Clinton team. Um, now, you know, uh, the, the old line forecasters, uh, Charlie Cook, who uh, is one of the one of the smartest guys in the business, hasn't gotten around to put numbers on stuff. But he just simply says that this race leans Democratic. Stuart Rothenberg says the same thing, leans Democratic. And then there's Larry Sabato over at the University of Virginia. Rick, I know you, you follow him quite closely. He yeah, puts this oh, yeah. As a, he puts this as a likely Democratic victory, which sounds a little closer to where Huffington Post is. So, you know, I don't know. The bottom line, uh, the ABC tracking poll has a four point lead for Hillary Clinton. Most national polls are about that three to four points. Uh, Looking at the states, uh, every state looks to have all the key battleground states look to have uh, the race where it could go either way. A slight Hillary Clinton lead 
in in places like Florida, uh, uh, slight Donald Trump lead in places like Ohio, uh, with again the map as it always has favoring Hillary Clinton. But Rick, this is a race we're going into election day. I would argue. Uh, I think Nate Silver has injected the, the, a correct note of caution on this. It looks like Hillary Clinton is the favorite, as it's looked like for a long time. Uh, but it looks like an upset is not out of the question. Yeah, and, and hacks like us try to overlay upon all this data the sense of the race and conversations with strategists in both parties. I, I think it fits may, uh, you know, maybe slightly more optimistic for Hillary Clinton's chances in terms of the professional class. These same folks, that I'd say, in both parties that were wrong, so spectacular during the primaries. But uh, there, there's a sense that things have stabilized for Hillary Clinton, that you see an opportunity for her to press her advantage uh, in, a, in a number of battleground states. Uh, you see some early vote numbers, particularly in Nevada, where the guru of Nevada politics, John Ralston, essentially declared the race over for Hillary Clinton based on the, the early vote. So those positive signs. And you, you couple that with a, a Trump campaign that doesn't seem to, to be firing on all cylinders here in the stretch. They're they are hopscotching around states, uh, in, in some cases changing the schedule by the hour. And it just seems like a scattershot strategy for the end that isn't really built on optimism. But what's your sense? Well, also, you look at the way they're closing out just in terms of of who is out there for them. And this is, again, something that has been the case from the start, but it's just really uh, glaring here in the final days. Look at the surrogate operations and look at who is out there supporting the respective candidates. On the Hillary Clinton side, you've got uh, you've got the president of the United States feeling his highest popularity rating in quite some time out there uh, hitting it hard. You've got the vice president of the United States. You've got uh, you've got the full spectrum of you have Bernie Sanders out there working high, trying to show that there's a unified uh, Democratic Party, Elizabeth Warren. And then you have the celebrity factor, Beyonce, Jay-Z. And then at Donald Trump's side, you have a lot of Trumps. Uh, Chris Christie was supposed to be out there doing some <laughs> events up in New Hampshire for, uh, for Donald Trump. That what was happened suddenly with that? Canceled. Yeah, that was strange. Yeah, it was odd to see him suddenly yeah, that was fall a little off the str- campaign trail. It was a schedule change. I don't know if that had anything to do with the Bridgegate uh, yeah. verdict. Oh, which no, no, found, no, definitely, uh, not. His... definitely not. No, okay, okay. Uh, you know, so so th- th- there does seem to be energy on the Democratic side that you don't see uh, on the Trump side. But again, there are strange things happening. We've seen polls in places uh, like Michigan that have suggested that the race is tighter uh, than would have been expected. You, you do see Democrats looking to fortify their positions in places like Michigan and Wisconsin and Pennsylvania, even in Colorado. So, um, but you're right, talking to the professional class, even the Republican side of the professional class, um, you know, you get a sense that, uh, that, that, that momentum is on the other side. That, that's the sense right now. And, and you look at the battlegrounds, and, and I think if, if Hillary Clinton is able to close in a state she needs to close in, and that including Michigan, including Pennsylvania, she wins this thing. Uh, I think Florida, you'd probably put in her column as well. Uh, but there is going to be a sense, I think, up until the very end here, John, of, of a little bit of unease. And it's driven in part by the, the, the wackiness that we see in some of the forecast models. Uh, and I think also by the fact that this is such an unpredictable uh, campaign. And I, I think the, just telling the story this weekend, you know, Donald Trump went out there and uh, attacked someone for using salty language on the trail. So he'd never get away with using the kind of language that wait, Jay-Z used <laughs> last night. So we're seeing that message kind of ricochet all over the place. But, I, you know, I, I just come back to, John, the, the, a couple of fundamentals in this race. And, and one of them is Latino turnout. I feel like this is going to be a big story 
particularly if, if Clinton wins uh, in Florida and Nevada and Colorado. We're going to talk a lot about what the Latino vote has meant in this election and if they're able to suppress that advantage. Uh, and we're also going to hear about a Clinton coalition and if she's able to stitch together the pieces. The, the question will just be whether the Trump coalition's out there. And that's where people like Nate are a little more optimistic on that possibility than some others. Okay, another development I wanted to talk about today is, is Paul Ryan. There was a very interesting uh, thing that was said by Paul Ryan to a group of reporters uh, out in Wisconsin. Uh, he noted uh, that he had offered to campaign with Donald Trump. Trump, of course, had been planning a trip to Wisconsin, and Trump told uh, and, and, and Paul Ryan told a group of Wisconsin reporters, that he sent the message to the Trump campaign that when Trump comes to Wisconsin, he'd be happy to join him uh, on the trail. This is quite interesting, Rick, because you remember uh, right after that uh, Access Hollywood tape came out, that famous conference call that Ryan held with Republican members of the House where he said that he was still endorsing Trump, but he would not campaign with him or for him. He would focus on the rest of the race. Yeah. Now, here, all of a sudden, just days before the actual election – Paul Ryan is saying, Donald, I'm with you, and I'd love to join you on stage. And then what happened? Well, then something interesting happened. This would have been a big moment. But then suddenly we got word that there wasn't going to be a Wisconsin stop after all. And, you know, I, I talked to some Republican strategists even right after that, and they feel like this is emblematic of the problems with the Trump campaign. If you have one hand not talking to the other, here is the Republican Speaker of the House, a guy whose support is so coveted in a big battleground state. And he's going out and saying, finally, a message of unity it would have been a powerful symbol just two days before the election. And then you cancel it and you don't even tell him that it's going to be canceled and it doesn't happen. I, you go figure that one out. And it's because he's going to Minnesota, of all places, a place that I, I don't know anyone who thinks he's seriously going to challenge in Minnesota. Look, if he's right and he pulls out Minnesota that delivers the presidency, it'll be the greatest political move of all time. If it's not, then this is going to be another one of those chapters of, of what was this campaign thinking. But also, isn't this embarrassing to Paul Ryan? I mean, to be like out there having made this stand about not campaigning with him finally raising his hand at the last possible minute and then getting snubbed? Uh, amazing. Uh, yes, of course. I mean, it leaves him hanging out to dry out, out there. And and it does raise a question about what governing would be like if Trump wins. And he has to deal with the Speaker, Paul Ryan. First, does he try to oust Paul Ryan, given where this working relationship is? Uh, and, and, and secondly, if, if he's doing this and he's pushing his agenda and Ryan is Speaker, where is the basis for a working relationship there? My goodness. I, I just think it's it's just a a really curious thing to, to end the campaign with. Uh, and you can say what you will about about the battlegrounds, but those relationships do matter. And uh, that's a really stunning development on the stretch. Okay, I wanted to get to one other thing before we uh, before we wrap up uh, and, and get back to, to, to election preps here, Rick. Uh, I don't know if you caught this, but Laura Ingram, um, you know, prominent uh, Donald Trump supporter, uh, author, radio show host, uh, somebody who was a prominent speaker at the Republican convention. You know Laura Ingram. She I've heard has, of her, yeah. Yes. So she has tweeted a very interesting thing, a photograph of a Donald Trump sign in Connecticut. And the sign says, entering Trump country. And Laura Ingram, a uh, Dartmouth graduate, says, don't count Connecticut out. Signs all over the state for real Donald Trump. Very little for Hillary. Now, Rick, uh, you mentioned Minnesota. I, Connecticut's one. I, I mean, I got to tell you, I don't know. I, I know Reagan carried Connecticut in '84, but that, that's a that's a tough one. But but let me ask you. We, we talked about data at the top of the show. 
there, there's different things that, that, that people look at. You mentioned there's the actual polls, there's public polls, there's internal polls that the campaigns do. Uh, there's also looking at the history of a state, looking at the demographics of a state, trying to track how the campaigns are behaving, where they're spending money, where they're spending resources. There's also, um, you know, talking to the campaigns, talking to sources, seeing the body language of the campaigns. Where, where in your list of metrics, when you're trying to see how a given state is is going, where do you where do you put road signs? So I, th- I th- we have a running list on this podcast, John, as our long-term listeners know, of things that, uh, that, that get said so often they become cliche uh, and kind of pr- prove themselves. And I think one of them we like to talk about, you know, only, only vote that matters is Election Day, which has been uttered by a winning campaign approximately never in the history never. Of, of politics. Uh, <laughs> and, and I think never. similarly, we're winning because we have more road signs. It might have worked in a city council race in 1972. But since then, I don't know of any documented case of, of it actually mattering. I actually think it might be an example of, of skewed polling or skewed data because you know what? If you look at where the real estate, where the real land is in this country, there's a lot more room to put road signs in, <laughs> in, in Trump country. In Trump territory. Yeah, that's, true. that's uh, I'm, true. I'm here in Manhattan and there's no road signs for Hillary, but she's going to win <laughs> here in Manhattan. Are you sure about so that, I, Rick? Are you sure? I, I mean, if uh, Connecticut's uh, – you know, you know, it's a good, it's a good point. But it, it actually, there actually is an interesting story in this, and and I don't believe that road signs are predictive of anything. But you can drive the countryside of of literally any state in the country, and it could be Connecticut, it could be New York, and Delaware. California, and Illinois, Delaware, one hundred percent Delaware, certainly in the Pennsylvanias and the Ohio's. You could go twenty minutes outside any urban area, and guess what you're going to see. Trump sign after Trump Donald sign Trump after Trump sign. No question. I would guess, and this is based on nothing but heck, this is data season. Why not say it? There's probably a 10 to 1 ratio of Trump signs to Hillary Clinton signs nationwide. I'm just going to go out and say it's 10 to 1. I think that if you, if you measure in terms of real estate and number of signage, then, Hillary, then Donald Trump wins this thing going away. But that, that in a sense, tells the stories of the, of the two Americas that we're going to see uh, play out on Tuesday. Uh, that is not actually where voters live necessarily. Uh, and, and if that's sort of enthusiasm by I want to put a sign on my lawn transfers, then, yes, Trump's going to do hugely well. But that's just not how voting typically works. And if Laura Ingram's right about Connecticut, then guess what? Trump's going to win 45 states and, and have a historic victory. But I, I, I don't see it. Yeah, I, I don't either. I have to be honest. But but you know what? We'll find out in three days, Rick. I mean, you know, I mean, here we are. And, 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 and the great thing about all of this is that between now and then, we have a powerhouse politics podcast every single day. Uh, so, Rick, I got, should we get back to work so we can get ready for tomorrow's? Let's do it. I'm going to look for lawn signs. How about you? What, uh, what's on your agenda <laughs> gonna, for tonight? I'm going to scour Manhattan for, for lawn signs. All right. Well, that is all for this day's edition of Powerhouse Politics. I want to thank our tremendous production team, Robin Gratison, Michelle Boncardo, David Rind, Ryan Kessler. We've got we've got an army working on this show, uh, and I want to thank them all. And remember, tune in. We'll be back again tomorrow. Get us on iTunes, and we look forward to three more days of this, Rick. Uh, Let's do it. Bring it on.